Thank you so much, Andrew. I think modern filmmaking helps us with that chorus. We were just watching something on television last night where uh, suddenly the, the actor's face came into full view and everything behind was kind of put out of focus. And I guess that is one way of thinking of that beautiful chorus that when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, uh, we focus on him, so then everything else kind of drops back and goes out of focus. But of course then we need it to come back into focus so that we can use the sight which God has given us. And I love that hymn that says, another old hymn, you know, uh, earth is brighter green and, uh, you know, I can't even remember how the words go now. Uh, everything around us, the colours are enhanced when we know when we know Jesus, when he has opened our eyes. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you delight for us to be in the light and not to be in the darkness, or even to live our lives in the kind of shadowlands of half-faith. So help us to understand this story this morning in such a way that it enhances our understanding of you, our Lord, our Saviour, and our Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Perhaps some of you also saw on the internet yesterday a little definition of Father's Day. A little boy was asked to define Father's Day. He replied, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the present. <laughs> I asked Andrew to read the whole chapter because in a sense it's the day in the life of man, isn't it? And you couldn't really leave any little bit out of it without uh, breaking the coherence of this amazing story. My heart kind of leapt when I saw I'd been assigned John chapter 9 because it is truly a remarkable insight into all sorts of things. One of those chapters in the Bible, like all of them, I guess, which is a very precious gift of insight for our own seeing. It's a story about healing, of course, but it's also a story about a truly horrible day. A day which had a good beginning and a good ending, but in between left a lot to be desired. I guess it describes our life a little bit, doesn't it? And it describes parenthood, certainly. All of you fathers here and mothers too, although we were too perhaps absorbed in what had happened to our bodies. But you fathers will know the delight of knowing it's a boy, you're a dad, you've got a little girl, you've got a little boy. You know, that moment, I hope you can remember that, those of you who've experienced it, and that's not everybody here I know, that moment. But then, all those years, the struggle of getting through from that first moment to the time when those children off your hands and in fact I think parenthood is a life sentence because they never go away believe me 
they never go away. And it's a bit like us with God, of course. We know that there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. So the day that I was born again or you were born again came to faith, how much joy was there in heaven? And God must have been thrilled to bits. He had another child who acknowledged him as father. But oh my, getting us through to the moment when we go to be with him. Now, there's the rub. The hard times that we give to God our Father. So this story, this life in the day of a man, sort of encapsulates that. To be honest, Jesus wasn't in a particularly good place on this day. You only have to read the last verse of chapter 8, to know that perhaps he was feeling slightly disconcerted and that being in Jerusalem wasn't particularly comfortable. It says at the end of chapter 8, after a heated and serious theological conflict with the Pharisees, it says this, at this they picked up stones to stone him to death. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away through the temple grounds. I expect he spent a lot of that night in prayer to his father, recovering from that conflict. And here we are now on the next day. And here we are in the story about wrong theology, how often wrong theology has led God's children down wrong paths. It's a story of blame, a story of fear, manipulation, jealousy, prejudice, shame, and rejection. All that in this day has to be lived through. So as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And here's the theological question. We frame it in slightly different ways. We say, why? Many people say, if God is love, why? Many people say, if there is a God, where is he? And here's the question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The popular theology of the day. That if there's something wrong, you must have done something wrong. And you remember those wearisome friends of Job who tried to convince him in chapter after chapter that he must have done something wrong in order for all this stuff to be happening to him. Interesting thing about this man, we don't know his name, we never find out his name. He didn't ask to be healed Nobody brought him to Jesus. He didn't know what it was to see. He had been born blind. He didn't know who Jesus was, that's clear. But we know from everything that follows that he was a very well-rounded man. He was a great communicator. He was intelligent and he had a good wit. He was great at answering back. 
But I want you to imagine the effect that this wrong theology had had on him all his life. Imagine being blind from birth. I mean, that's bad enough. But then to have it said about you, thought about you, known about you, that it was probably because your parents had done something bad. And that the fact that you were born blind was the result of that. And you were paying the price. And imagine the effect it had on his parents. Of course, we meet his parents a bit later on. But imagine how it would feel to have a son, a daughter, who was in some way disabled, and then to have people say about you that, of course, that had happened because you had done something wrong. That would be a bitter thing to carry, don't you think? And that would blight your spirit, perhaps, as you went through life. But Jesus um, is quick to answer, well, of course, neither of them did anything wrong. Stuff happens, and there isn't always, and there often isn't, someone to blame and we live in a culture don't we where whenever anything happens I mean we are a year past Grenfell which was the most awful awful night and they're still looking they're still talking about who do we blame for this and perhaps with good reason but we live in this culture where there must always be someone to blame, whereas Jesus says, no, we ought not to look at things like that. We ought to see that when we encounter something which is the opposite of good or the opposite of light or the opposite of love, we who know love and light and goodness should take the opportunity to bring that light and love and goodness to bear on this situation. That's our calling, to be the light of the world. Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he said to us, you are the light of the world. That's your calling, to bring my light into the darkness and not to add to the darkness I think I've said it before and Andrew's already mentioned the prison but when I became a prison chaplain it wasn't that I needed to be reminded of John 3.16 because that was the verse I had the night I came to know the Lord no it was John 3.17 for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is our saviour. And we are called to be people of salvation and healing in a world which, as Alec Matea used to remind us, is already condemned. So Jesus... Make some mud, 
using his own spit. I don't think the doctor in our midst probably does that, ever tried it. Shock horror from the patients, of course. Actually, this blind man couldn't see what Jesus was doing. (laughs) I just want to give you a little medical tip while I'm sitting here. If you've got a very itchy bite, if you spit on your hand and rub it on your bite, you'd be amazed at the difference it makes. That's an aside. Puts the mud on his eyes and then says, go and wash. And the man goes and he washes. Unlike Naaman who argued and refused to go and wash in the river Jordan, this man, off he goes, man of faith, and he comes home seeing. He comes home seeing. Actually, I just want you to notice as I go back a moment to Jesus' response to the question, which man sinned, this man or his which one sinned, this man or his father. Actually, Jesus resisted the opportunity to give a little sermon on the problem of suffering. Can we resist that too? Sometimes it's good to resist that and just to do what Jesus has called us to do, to bring salvation and healing. Now we come to the neighbours. Of course, the neighbours, they're an interesting bunch, aren't they? Is this the man? Do you think this is the man? I'm not sure. Well, he, he looks like him. He reminded me that we often don't really look at each other. I love the way we had to go around and say hello before communion. I tease Terry sometimes. I say, if I go missing today and the police come and say, Mr. Pye, what was your wife wearing? <laughs> Will he actually have noticed? (laughs) I jest. Of course he always notices. But, you know, we are so good at not really seeing, aren't we? And this, I think, was so revealing was this chap who'd lived amongst them, couldn't see, probably had to beg quite a lot to make a living. And then people aren't, is this him? Well, it looks like him. Did I ever really look at him? Well, you'd think they'd be thrilled to bits that he could see, but what do they do, these neighbours? Self-righteous bunch that they are. They take him off for a little session with the Pharisees. That's hard to understand, don't you think? But, of course, they want to keep in with the Pharisees because we read that the Pharisees had already decided and the high priests, etc., that anyone who sided with Jesus would be thrown out and perish the thought that we should fall out with the establishment. So we better check this out. So they take him to the Pharisees. And Pharisees give him a very hard time. What did he do to you? Who was he? And he gives some very interesting answers. Well, I don't actually know who he was. I'm not sure. Maybe he was a prophet, but one thing, one thing I know. Once I was blind and now I can see. 
Maybe we're a bit like that when we first come to faith or as we go on in our life with faith. Lord, I'm not quite sure who you are, but I'm just going to hold on to what I know about you. One thing I do know, once I was blind, now I can see. And the Pharisees still didn't believe he was born blind and enter the parents. Now, wouldn't you think this should be a day of celebration for this fellow? But my word, he is being put through it. So now along come the parents who say, who sidestep and say, well, we know he's ours and we know he was born blind. <laughs> but as for how he can see, well, well, he's old enough, you ask him. Because they didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue by getting involved with Jesus. Because they were afraid. And we can be critical of them, but they lived, have lived all their lives under the shadow. They were, born for, they were blamed for him being born blind. Now, my word, they are not going to be blamed for the fact that he's been healed. And hey-ho, the Pharisees send for the man a second time. Now tell us again. Well, I've told you once. I'm not going to tell you again. But one thing I love about this man is his clear testimony. Now I had a dad who was not at all chuffed that I had become a Christian and gave me a very, very hard time. Thank goodness I knew less then than I know now because I was a bit like the man. Well, I don't really understand it, but one thing I know, Dad, is that now I believe. I didn't believe, but now I do believe. And my dad was, uh, I mean, right till the day he died, he, he carried on being provocative and, and giving me a hard time. And sometimes the only thing we can do is when we're being that, given that sort of hard time. I couldn't argue my way with my dad. He was a very clever arguer. He could argue that black was white and often did. But I could hold the line. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answers. But one thing I do know, perhaps that's where Roger is as well. I remember Roger talking to Roger when he first had his diagnosis. And he, he told, and you told the story, Andrew, didn't you, of the nurse who said to him, how can you still believe in God even though this has happened to you? And what was Roger's answer then? And you remember what Andrew said. He said, I don't know why this is happening. But let me tell you what I do know. And then he gave his testimony to the nurse, who Roger told me later got into trouble for spending too much time in the shower with Mr. Venables. And Mr. Venables had to apologize to the nurse for keeping, uh, to the head nurse, the ward sister, for keeping the nurse from his job. One thing I know. And he's so upfront, this man, isn't he? Do you want to become his disciples? 
he couldn't have said anything more insulting to the Pharisees. We are the followers of Moses, just as they'd said in the previous chapter 8. We are the children of Abraham. Don't you dare challenge us. And then this awful barb. You have been steeped in sin since your birth. 36 verses later comes the same question. Who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? And there it is again. You have been steeped in sin since your birth. How careful we have to be about what we say we believe about God and how important it is to know this book so that we believe the right things about God because unless we do, we cannot share those things. And that's why our little, little, little thing here, that's why the Bible course is so, you knew I was going to say that, didn't you, Jack? That's why the Bible course is such a precious tool for us that we might believe the right things and be able to share those right things with the people who need to hear from us words of hope. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So there you are, the end of the story, the end of the day. Oh, what a perfect day, I think the song goes. Begins the day with Jesus. This man didn't even know who he was, hadn't even wanted to meet. Opening his eyes so that he could see. And the end of the day, he's thrown out. And you know, don't you, that all around the world, in countries not ours, but also maybe in this country too, people are thrown out. Our beloved senior missionary in Korea, his parents threw him out and never saw him from that day to the day they died. Why? Because he had decided to be a disciple of Jesus and that's a respectable upper middle class family in this country. How much do our brothers and sisters need our prayers as they too often are thrown out And here's the lovely end of the story as I come to the end. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Isn't that a wonderful thing for us to hold on to? Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Just like um, God, the great I am, says to Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. I know they are hurting. Jesus heard that he had been thrown out and he went to look for him. He went to look for him. Andrew um, prayed a little earlier and it was a precious prayer for those of us who are parents who have children who have wandered a long way away. And I um, pray for my son quite often, well, every day. And, you know, 
help him to come back to you, Lord. And then I realize that it's the job of the shepherd to go and look for the lost sheep and bring him home. So that skews my, that changes my prayers a little bit. And here it is. Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out. And he went to look for him. And when he found him, he then reveals who he is. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Says the man who's had a really hard day. Tell me so that I may believe in him. I can see now, but I long to know who opened my eyes that I may put my trust in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. Of course, he could see him because his eyes were open. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God because you stepped into my darkness and you opened my eyes and you let me see. It was so for him. May it be so for us. Amen.